Hi, everyone. Uh, welcome to our podcast. Today, we are talking with Randy Huntington. Randy is a U.S. track and field master coach who has over 45 years of experience. He has coached many Olympian and world championship athletes, such as Mike Powell and Willie Banks, who set the world record in long jump and triple jump. And past nine years, he's uh, he was working with Chinese national team and he had an amazing result with them, like Su Bin Tian, the toppest uh, sprinter in China and in Asia. And top, it's one of the top in the world. Uh, and uh, like in this July, uh, his Chinese athlete Wang Jia Nan got the gold medal in men long jump event in world championship. Uh, thanks for joining us, Randy. Thank you for having me. Appreciate it. It's, uh, it's good to be here and not there right now. <laughs> uh, so now you are in state, yeah? Yeah. Get home, home yeah. for a short time, yeah. Yeah, can you tell us more about your journey as a athlete, as a coach? You know? um, no journey as an athlete. I was never an athlete. Uh, I never participated uh, beyond a, a little bit in high school. Uh, I was always athletic and doing things, but I was never a track and field athlete, let's say, per se, or, or, or any other sport for that matter. Um, I started out coaching women's gymnastics at the University of Oregon with Henrietta Heine. Um, yeah. I wanted to learn gymnastics to teach my eye to be able to follow the body uh, when as it was moving through space, and gymnastics is the best place to, to learn that. So like you might put your children in gymnastics when they're young, as a young coach, I wanted to go to gymnastics to learn. And so I learned yeah. to be able to follow uh, pretty much any movement in space. And that gave me uh, a very good perspective and background when it came to looking at technical events and, and being able to analyze them. Um, with my eyes before yeah. long before video cameras existed <laughs> yeah yeah <laughs> so and and then you know to make a long very long 45 year journey very short uh yeah. I, I moved to several universities for a short yeah. short amount of time um the, the money back then wasn't enough to allow you to survive uh whereas today you can make a, a pretty good living uh, at, at any given university um, in the United States. Then uh, I would decided to start just coaching elite athletes, and that's when I started working with uh, – I just finished working with Sheila Hudson, who's the American record holder in the triple jump. And I went down and working with Willie Banks and Mike Powell and Gordon Lane and Al Joyner in 1988. And um, Mike went on to win the silver in 88 in the long jump yeah. and Willie had uh, an Achilles injury so we didn't we didn't achieve what we wanted to there and continued coaching other uh, emerging elite or elite athletes over the next uh, oh 10 years or so uh, walked away from coaching for a little while to go into the business yeah. world and I was director of marketing for a couple of companies yeah. uh, international marketing and national marketing uh, that 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 in itself still allows you and, and helps you as a coach because you're learning leadership yeah. skills, team skills. You're you're taking a lot exactly. of what you do in sport and, and moving it to a different uh, stadium, per se. 
And uh, then in uh, 2009, I went to South Korea and started as their coach, uh, just long jump, triple jump. Had some pretty good results. My jumpers beat the Chinese, which is the first time that it happened. And so several years later, um, I was in, in the midst of being director of marketing and education for Kaiser. And um, several years later, the uh, Chinese invited me over. At, well, actually, I went on vacation and ended up getting an invitation once I arrived in China to, to, to go do a few talks with their athletes and watch competitions. Six months later, that brought them to asking me to um, ask me if I would want to come to China to coach. And it was a lot, it was not an easy decision because I had a very good yeah. position. And yeah. Yeah. my DNA, of course, for anybody who knows me, is in Kaiser. Yeah. Um, you know, that's, uh, I've been using Kaiser since 1983. So yeah. for me, it's deeply embedded in how I do things. Uh, but I took the job. And uh, nine years later, we were here talking about it because I now am retiring from China as of October 1st. So, so you don't, uh, uh, you finish, uh, it's one thing, are you retired or no, just, uh, you just finish working with Chinese national team? Retiring from the Chinese national team, yes. Yeah, I mean, I see this, uh, I mean, because I have a, a little connection with Chinese athletics, uh, you know, uh, I, I used to be a long distance runner. I mean, not high level, I mean, uh, but I was a runner. So I have a good connection with Chinese uh, athletics uh, federation and I see the impact uh, 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 you give to the Chinese uh, athletics I mean the amazing result uh, with the uh, sprinter jumper with the uh, male female relay 100 meters and uh, I mean especially with uh, Wang Jianan and Su Bin Tian how was that experience well, it's, I mean, all of it's, it's all of it's positive. It, and, and when you're working another challenge with language, without the language skills, that's always another challenge that you have to overcome. Um, changing the culture of a specific sport, not the culture of a country, but the culture of that sport, so yeah. that they understand what success is going to be and how to achieve it. That is pretty difficult. I mean, we had a, we've had a lot of success. Um, I didn't yeah. coach the women's four by one, by the way. Rainer Ryder yeah. did oh, that. I, didn't. Um, oh. uh, I, I, I worked with, with um, Wei Yong Lee uh, yeah. kind of on the side for several years before she went to yeah. Rainer full time. Um, and, you know, it's just, it's, as a coach, you know, what you do is you, you're helping people reach their dreams. I mean, Wong yeah, Jainan. Exactly won world juniors in 2014 and and you know eight years later he comes back and in the same stadium well not the same stadium yeah. but yeah. the same location he comes back and wins the world championships and i was really happy for him because he is all it actually is a better story than sue in some ways because yeah. he's he's had so many challenges himself physically yeah. mentally to overcome and he did it, and then he, then he did achieve uh, the first gold medal, the first male yeah, gold medal uh, yeah, outside that's, of the amazing, yeah. You know, amazing. and and uh, the relay. Uh, but you know, we ended up 
we I think I think I've worked with seven of the top ten all time in China now, in the long yeah. jump. Uh, triple jump they didn't let me actually work with as much as I'd like to, but I worked with Dong Bin some, and yeah. his coach picked up on what we were doing, and and then took him on to that bronze medal and then the gold medal indoors and the bronze medal outdoors in the Olympics. Um, I had him for the silver medal in 2014. Should have won. That That's a learning experience. Um, then, uh, you know, in 2017, Subic Ten was going to retire and they asked me if I would work with him for several months while he was transitioning from retirement to the next part of his life. And of course, that's when he ran 6:42, and that changed his life. And yeah, it's that—that's been another challenge because he's an older yeah. athlete. He's got his own little aches and pains, and his yeah. his his own uh, venture is his own path. And try to help him achieve those things. And we've achieved some great things. I mean, time-wise, we just we just didn't get. I mean, we got a bronze medal out of the Olympics for the relay, yeah. and and that's incredible. Yeah, um, I would I would like to have seen him get an individual medal and I think he's still capable of it. Yeah. It's unfortunate that they moved to the world championships again this year, or in two thousand twenty three. Um and then uh Wong Chun Yu, who a lot of people don't even maybe not even know I I, I coached her, um yeah. eight hundred meter runner who was fifth in Tokyo in the Ooh. in the eight hundred. Um you know, she went from Basically, a two flat to 202 800 meter runner to 157 in, in, in 10 months. And uh, I would like result. to have continued working with her, but some things happen in her personal life that uh, aren't going to allow that to happen. And I think that that's uh, unfortunate, but yeah. I wish her the best and I want to make sure that uh, uh, hopefully she, she does well in the future. That kind of brings us to today. Yeah, that's that's amazing. I mean, just I didn't know you. I, I thought you just uh, coached a, a sprinter and a jumper. I didn't know it, even you coached the eight hundred meters. This is no. I've, I, in track and field, I've coached everything up through five thousand. In uh, professional, in in professional level, yeah. At, at some point, athletes. yeah. I mean, um, or, or or in some cases, some part of of, mm. of an athlete's life. So I may. I may have acted as their strength and conditioning coach or their technical coach or something like that. But in in in, in the case of Chen Yu, I was I was doing everything for her just like I did with Su and Jainan and Wu and Liang and uh, a whole host of them that we've tried to influence and leave a legacy. I mean, I've I've left a legacy in yeah. Wang Guoje, the young PhD who's now yeah. in Nanjing and who worked closely with Jainan this year yeah. um, and and through parts of COVID and has done a great job and and he gets yeah. as much credit for Jainan as, as anybody does and and it's important because it's I've been to the top of the mountain enough times it's, yeah. it's not about me it's about them getting to the top of the mountain and changing that culture to where people start to understand that it's about the yeah. athlete and if you're first answer to a question is does this help yeah. the athlete then you need to have another question interesting i mean you have been coaching uh, many athletes from western country like state and uh, eastern country like chinese and south korea uh, 
what is the difference as a coach to coach these uh, Chinese or South Korean and state? What's the difference? The, the biggest overall difference is the fear of failure and losing face and not understanding that that's part of the culture of winning, that you actually want to embrace failure because that is that is where winning is going to come from. Yes. It will also keep you humble and keep you focused. Um, not understanding what winning is and what it takes to win, this has been a big, a big problem. Uh, in in China and Korea, uh, mm, yes, you know because they their only view of winning or athletes, basically, for Korea was YouTube. For China, it was whatever they could gather, and uh, and whatever access they could get to certain videos, and that would leave you short of exactly how to do something. You might see something, but have no idea how it's actually being done. And mm. I, and I'm not without people, obviously, in China not liking what I do. Uh, thinking that technically I'm wrong, um, that our training isn't right. You know, I I have a, a, a severe tendency to undertrain people because I usually use competition as the final aspects of training. The yeah. problem is in China, you oftentimes don't get that competition to fine tune them for those that final yeah. aspect. Particularly in this given year, that, that happened to us really bad. It's interesting. I still remember I was. Uh, uh, chatting with one of the Chinese uh, sprinter coach and he told uh, she told me she told me I don't know what Randy coach is doing but I, I hope my athletes always be there and train with him because anytime she's there she's better she's better I, I say this, I, I love to even she says I love to learn from coach Randy I mean this is they are I say he is much better I, than us I gave them every opportunity and open the door to anybody who ever wanted to come and learn I'm sure I'll probably go back and teach at some point I don't know when um, I'm not planning anytime soon uh, after October 1st I'm, I'm on my own and, and I want to yeah. take some time to work on my own health and my own fitness and and uh, my own life you know I, I've, I've given up more than I should have probably uh, you, you, you can't really ever tell that until you're through it and you look back at it. But um, right. I think that we, we each have to make that decision about what we're willing to sacrifice to uh, help others achieve or to achieve for ourselves. And, and, and in many cases, that's the difference between good and great. Uh, it, and, and that is the, the degree to which you will sacrifice to achieve. Yeah, I still, uh, yeah, I remember I was uh, watching one of your workshops with Chinese uh, uh, coaches and those things, skills, though, uh, your teaching, I was, th I was thinking, oh, hope I was there and learning from you. Even I, sometimes, you know, there was always a door open for stringent conditioning course in Chinese athletics, but uh, never for sprinter. I mean, they, they asked me for long distance, for... Uh, race walking for Tokyo, uh, but no. uh, I mean this is this is this Abba, this is this is part of of learning, and that is that yeah. what you do with the sprinter is essentially the same thing you do with any runner, except for I mean except for a race walker. But yeah. you you look at their mechanical efficiency, you look at their yeah. physiological efficiency, where are the weaknesses, what do they look like compared to the best in the world. 
do they look anything like them? You know, if they don't, maybe they're in the wrong event. Um, yeah. You know, you have to make those decisions. And, 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 and the fact is that, you know, when, you, when I started working with Chun Yu, I said, I have to teach you how to sprint because you don't know how to sprint. And this is yeah. the sprint race. Um, you know, and she, and she went from 53.86 to, what, 52 flat and probably could run 50.5 if we just trained only for the 400. Yeah. You know, she's got that kind of ability in there. Um, but she's, she's not young either. Remember, she's 27 years old. Yeah. So you're also starting with somebody 10 years after, 12 years after you should have, you know. Yeah. Very interesting. So the, the lessons from, and, and I've had American coaches ask me this before in the past, like, so what do you do for weight training for distance runners? And, and what do you do for the, the drills? And I tell you, all you got to do is watch an American distance coach do drills if you want to see how not to do drills <laughs> and, and, and to understand what not to do and, and, and how it's not done because they don't quite get it. Um, and once they get it, then it changes what they do. And now in American distance running has really changed. And obviously some of the coaches get it. These times these kids are running right now are really superb. That's changed in the last four or five years. And I think that we have, you know, China could have similar results in the middle distances if they put their mind to it and started going after those kids that, you know, like, you move your 200 kids up to 400, yeah. 400 kids up to 800, 1500. Depends if they have any aerobic ability. I've already suggested these things. It's nothing new. It's just uh, taking the opportunity to to utilize um, the athlete's best abilities. I mean, somebody who runs 22.8 or 23, they're really not going to do them much internationally. Yeah. You're probably not going to make a semifinal. In the 200, you know, um, certainly won't be in a final. And, but you could take that same speed and learn to endure that speed. And you could perhaps put yourself in a 400 or have a 400 girl who's running 52 and move them up to the 800 or the 1500 for that matter. I mean, Shen Yu ran her first 1500 in 2000. 21, she ran 407. Her, her PB was 425. Interesting. You know, wow. it, yeah. it, it, the ability's there. Yeah, it's it's just learning how to to bring it out. I, and the, the problem with Chinese and, and Korea, the same way, and Japan to a degree, they're all volume-based. Yeah, no, yeah. they all want to do sure. more, exactly. and, and that's not that's not necessarily the answer. Initially, um, getting them to understand that they need to first learn how to do something with properly, and then yeah. with intensity, and then extend extend the speed, extend the volume. But don't try to come from volume the other direction. Doesn't work all the time. Can work sometimes. But for endurance, also is the same. For long distance, is the same. The yeah, same absolutely, up. mechanical efficiency first. Mechanical efficiency, and then add add the the so bio, 
biomechanical or biokinetic, some people call it, uh, efficiency, and, and biophysiological or physiological efficiency. And then you, then you merge those two so that they become more efficient with every step. Yeah. If they become more efficient with every step, then they're going to just train faster. And yeah. the training faster is going to lead to faster times. It's, it's, it's not a hard equation. It's mostly just a lot of math. Um, and, and understanding how to get their bodies to be in the proper positions. I mean, you know, muscles set up yeah. joints to take yeah. advantage of the elastic ability yeah. of that particular lever system. So, so muscles, if you wish to say it this way, you could say muscles reposition joints to take advantage of the elastic abilities, the elastic, to create elastic power to, uh, to get that, the function of that lever system to be uh, the most, the best. And once you get that, it's easy to run fast. It's just yeah, it's easy. Yeah, I just still remember when I was, because I was long distance, but I mean, but my 100 meters, even 200, even four, I mean, I was a, the, like for me, it was the over like 14, 30, my 5K, something around that. I mean, but these but guys, my, these guys are running 14, what? The women are running 14, 15. Yeah. Uh, the men are running, you know, 12, 30, whatever yeah. the world record is for 5,000. I'm telling you, you better know how to sprint at the end of that thing. Um, you know, and, and you've got to become more mechanically efficient. And, and, and physiological efficiency follows mechanical efficiency. A lot of people have mechanical efficiency following physiological efficiency. And I think that if you look at, this may be a bad example, but if you look at Formula One, they take yeah. essentially the same cars from race to race, yeah. but they change that car, and the thing that changes the most, the engine doesn't change a lot, but what yeah. changes the most is the tires and the suspension. Yeah, and, right. and that allows them to drive that particular track better than uh, the previous one, perhaps, or, or better than without changing it, say. So to, to get people to first work on mechanical efficiency, that means learning what stiffness is, learning what bounce yeah. is, learning what elastic power is, and then from there, creating your great... Uh, physiological capacity under the guise of great mechanical efficiency and you will fly it's 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 really yeah, this is interesting. much easier to run oops i got somebody go ahead yeah so uh, uh coach uh, we talk about the young kids the children young athletes i mean and yeah. i mean we know that uh, speed sprint is very very important uh What's the age to start the speed training and what we need to do? Well, I, let's, let's not call it speed training. Let's call it or sprint. mechanical efficiency training, if you yeah. wish. Uh, yeah. 9 to 12 is the best. 9 to 12. Women more towards 9, boys more towards 12. And what to do? What, what, which kind of training? What you, is the... You, you, Okay, you're gonna you're gonna get into an area where I'm not gonna be able to talk much about it because it's a lot of stuff. But 
you, they learn how, they need to learn how to drill properly. They need to know how to yeah. do many hurdles. They need to learn how to reposition their legs. They need to learn what sprinting mechanics look like because everything else comes out of sprint mechanics. Your efficiency just drops below what you're doing in your sprint. And once you have that efficiency figured out, then you move on to longer distances and greater efficiency, which includes in your in your in your long runs. You learn yeah. how to reposition your legs differently in your long runs. You don't do a lazy long run anymore. Um, these are things that are important. Yeah, this that you're right. So, so telling you what we do as a you know what? Yeah, here's what we do. And you're not going to understand anything I'm talking about because there's no pictures, there's nothing. So yeah. I can tell you that they need to learn how to drill. All the drills are around. The drills, yeah. I've done them. They're on videos. They're all over the Chinese Internet. Um, yeah. Wong Go Jay can explain it to anybody in Chinese. Yeah. Uh, so the, the, the fact is that this is the first step. You, you know, they have to learn how to run over many hurdles properly. Yeah. And... And most of them don't, to be honest. So, yeah, yeah, you're right. So, uh, coach, uh, we, we, it's uh, let's talk about the not uh, sprint athletes. So, uh, as you know, so the, most of the sprinting, the running, they are doing uh, in high speed in uh, most of the sport is under maybe 20 meters, 30 meters, even some mostly sometimes under 10 meters. So. You think is the you need to more work? Uh, just we focus on acceleration. Well, I don't know what sport you're talking about now. So you're talking about track so, and field? Are you talking no, no, about soccer? Not... Are you talking about rugby? Yeah, yeah. Or are you talking about badminton or volleyball? I mean, all, they're all different. And yet, so you know, before we were talking about track and field, the majority yeah. of sports need to spend most time in acceleration to learn how to accelerate properly, uh, forward, backward, side, multi-directional acceleration. So uh, how about the basketball player? If we same work? thing, it's same sport, sport. Thing. same so, thing. It, you need to learn how to do that, and you, need to be, and, and you need to be strong enough to do it. So, you know, in in that case, you're looking at the DIS, the dynamic isometric strength, the ability to change direction. That's DIS. That's yeah. eccentric to concentric strength, and yet that that is and 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 all of that has to be helped in the weight room. I mean, these are really big questions that. I can't answer here. Yeah, that's... I can just tell you kind of what, what, what they are, but I'll never be able to answer them over a podcast. It just won't happen. Yeah, I understand. You, you see, Koji, we, we say, yeah, when we talk about the, like, uh, strength training, resistance training, I mean, there is tons of uh, uh, articles, uh, books, I mean, everything about strength training. But when we come about the sprinting, speed training, there is not enough uh, materials to study. What, what, why there is not too much coaches start to write a book? I mean, what's... I, I don't know. I mean, well, writing a book for... It's just like me trying to do this here. You really have to be live with it. It's like somebody yeah. trying to understand Kaiser. Everybody figures out eventually people will never understand Kaiser until they try it. They feel it. They use it. Yeah. Same thing. You've got to be with an experienced coach who teaches drilling properly, who teaches mechanics properly. And there's just not that many of them. I was there nine years. I would have given anybody yeah. anything they wanted. Um, I didn't have many takers. So now I'm gone. 
So now it's going to be up to Wong Jay to uh, really explain. And I think that if you want to have a Chinese audience in this, that you would do should do a podcast with him talking strictly about video and drilling because it's then in the Chinese language. Yeah, yeah. No, no this podcast is not for Chinese, so it's for out Yeah, of just China. in case you wanted to. Yeah. That's, that's, that's yeah, all. Yeah, um, yeah, I understand. And so, Coach, you talk about the, you know, before about the endurance and less, and uh, what's killing the speed uh, ability? What we not, we must not to do to uh, decrease our speed ability, okay, you know. What That's because most distance coaches only look at the physiological motor. They look at one engine. They don't look at the, at the at the biomechanical efficiency. They don't look at the mechanical efficiency. They don't look at other contributors to speed. You know, I mean, your heart, lungs, cardiovascular system is one system that contributes to your race. But you're, yeah. you have a, a whole lot of other systems that can contribute to a race uh, and a great deal to the race. And I think that we don't yet understand the absolute, well, I think I, I think I have a pretty good feel for it, but I don't think yeah. a lot of distance coaches understand the absolute contribution of uh, elastic ability to uh, speed and, and maintaining speed. I mean, if with every step you're using less metabolic ability you're going to be able to maintain that speed longer. Yeah, yeah exactly. That's kind of simple. I mean, long distance coach, you need to learn from, I mean, sprint coach, uh, I mean, short distance, long mechanical. Distance, yeah. Long distance coach should have a sprint coach in his pocket. Absolutely. Yeah, you I, don't, I, see. I mean, a good sprint coach, not just any sprint yeah. coach. Oh, yeah, yeah, I ran fast, so I know what I'm doing. Or, yeah, yeah I coach this guy. But, I mean, you have to watch somebody work and see how they work with people. And then, then you're going to start to get an idea of why things work. If they particularly, if they can explain why they're doing something, what does this do to the system? What does this do to this muscle? What does this do to this? And and and, and you've got to have that kind of conversation. With video, we might be able to have that conversation. Without it, we're not going to be yeah. able to have it. So, and I'm not yeah. set up right here yet to do it. I mean, I'm just home. Um, yeah. I'm trying to actually download all my videos and everything into my computer it's happening yeah. as we speak so uh, at some point we might be able to do that i see the sprint coach uh, they are using the technology the everything they got from science but probably less for a uh, long distance coach uh, coach i think for a lot of uh, even sprinter uh, and long distance coach uh, using too much health training uh, what do you? I don't know whether about... I don't know whether they're using too much or not. I can't tell you. So I, is it good I, or I not? I see the loading. Yeah, I mean, I, I just always... can't tell you that whether they are. I, it'd be unfair for me to say they are or aren't. Uh, yeah. Hill training can be fantastic if you know why you're using hill training and if you know what it's going to do for the athlete. Um, you know, the farther along the spectrum of of uh, distance you go, with marathon being. The furthest you go, I'm not going to talk about mountain running or yeah. any of that because it's a different deal. But with the marathon, I mean, even the marathon, you can still get mechanically more efficient so that every step leads you to being able to sustain your velocity longer. Yeah, I see. Yeah. Uh, so we talk. Uh, let's talk about the strength training. Uh, 
how much as a sprint for improving speed, how much uh, or we need to train strength training. Do you need, it's not over, like over focus, just focusing too much some, I mean, strength and conditioning or sprint coach. I think sometimes they focus too much at strength. Is it really that much important? How, how much they need to train? Well, certainly in the acceleration part, they need the first three steps to be, and they are affected greatly by the weight room, whether it's cleans or squats or jump squats or Kaiser squats or the runner or whatever it may be. Those first three to four steps are really important. We go out to seven steps. Yeah. Um, you know, you, you, you're, you, once your joints start moving fast, yeah, um, the weight room loses its its effect. You're repositioning the legs, then move up from. It, it, well, it keep you have to keep the ankle stiffness, but but now the reposition is taking place at a higher level, yeah. um, and so you know it doesn't take as much strength to do max velocity as it does to accelerate to max velocity, and even that the acceleration part is very limited amount of time uh, to achieve that because we all know some really strong sprinters who just can't run that fast because they're not coordinated it took Sue almost three years to, to finally coordinate really well this, so uh, what, uh, what's your recipe for strength training if you say not the for sprinter for uh, not sp for like soccer player for uh, not sprinter. Let's let's just say let's put it this way: if you're going to run, you're using yeah. the same muscles whether you're yeah. sprinting, running distance, or whatever whatever the sport may be. So part of your training is always going to have to be um, at some level the same lifts that you use uh, in, in in the hundred meters for that matter. You don't you, you're ambulating, you're you're sprinting, you're running. It's the same muscles. So they have to be strong. Yeah. So your so. lifts have to be quite similar. Um, I don't talk about reps and sets though that much because yeah. it's pretty individualized. Yeah. And it changes a lot with the with the coach because, you know, guy has a bad day with his wife or his girlfriend yeah. or his, his sponsor or whatever. He comes in, he's not going to lift the same. Um, yeah. You can have a plan out there, and that plan gets negated pretty fast when you see the emotional status of the athlete or the physical status yeah, right. of the athlete. So, um, yeah, I, I'm, I'm probably a poor interview when it comes to telling people what to do because I don't do it. Yeah. I just don't do it. You know, I, 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 I refuse to do it because I've spent enough time in this business to know that I mean, the X's and O's of strength and conditioning are pretty easy. I mean, you use one formula, you know, P equals F times V, F equals M times A, D equals V times D. I mean, come on, you know, it's not hard. There's three formulas, you, you yeah. set up your triangles and you're good. So, you know, if you're doing, if you're lifting and you're in any sport, power is still king. If your power is king, then you got to look at whether you're looking at the force or the velocity side. Yeah. You know, what do you need that time of year? What are you trying to train? The force side or the velocity side? Keep your velocity higher. Get your force up. Get your force up with higher velocity. You improve your power. Is the position, is the position slow velocity power dependent or high velocity power dependent? Ask your questions. Get your answers. Apply them. Don't overcomplicate it.
Yeah, interesting. Uh, these years, uh, I mean, like past, like probably special 10 years, there's a lot of you are uh, hearing the functional trainer training, like a single leg exercise that are, oh, they're talking a lot. Oh, you are playing football or playing basketball. It's always one leg exercise one. It's not like two, like jumping double leg exercise or we, running. Do What's your thought about this? We do both. We, we do both within the week. We'll do a single leg, double leg. I mean, there's, there's lots of different ways to skin that cat. Do it with a machine, without a machine. You know, um, it, it, to negate double leg lifting completely, you know, I, I don't agree with Mike uh, on that. Um, I think it's still a, a very uh, gratuitous. Well, you, you get a lot out of doing double leg squats, for instance. Um, single leg cleans. We do most of those with sprinters from the floor, from the others from the box. There's a host of different things you do based upon that athlete's needs. What do they need? Yeah. You know, in a track and field, we're an individual sport, not a team sport. So it, it makes it a little bit harder when you want to, tr you can transfer it over to the individuals within the team sport if you know what they need. But um, the fact is that I, I, I'm, I can't tell you what somebody needs unless I'm watching them, looking at them, and yeah. I have some metrics on them. And then I can tell you, okay, here's where you need to go. Maybe you need medical intervention. Maybe you need therapy. Yeah. Maybe you need surgery. Maybe you don't. Maybe you need to go home and rest. I don't know. I can tell you that there's basic lifts that everybody does. There's no magic to it at all. Yeah. You, you could just stop with the magic stuff. And this is the way you got to do it. That's just bullshit. Um, the body needs to move, and it needs to move fast and powerfully. It needs to let the velocity come from the force that you choose. So the velocity is dependent on the force. The force is not dependent on the velocity. Um, and, you know, you go from there. Yeah, interesting. So there is no a general recipe for all the athletes or the, the sports. I mean, like you say, individualism, everybody's different. The needs is different. They... And never should there be. I mean, can you write a workout for 10 sprinters? Probably. You're still going to change that workout. Um, but at different times of the year, that changes. You yeah. know that they need about 2.5 to 3 times their body weight for a, for a squat. Yeah. Be in, and we know those numbers on sprinters. Um, not everybody's there. There's outliers. But for the most part, they're 2.5 or so to three times their body weight, very close to that. Now, someone like Sue can squat 185 kgs at 71 kilos. He's not at three. He's below that. Yeah. Yeah. So, you know, uh, you get to going to and, – and, and, and that part's done where we know we're working on the force part of the – Power equals force times velocity relationship. So later on, that comes off, and now you're working on the velocity side of that while maintaining the force. You just play with it. You know, it, it's so sometimes difficult to explain. And there's a lot of guys, you know, I guess, I, I'm not so sure if they've coached anybody, but they certainly no. can talk a good game. Yeah.
So, so how about the core training? I mean, this, all, there is a lot of attention also now in core training. What do these not to do that? Just, are you agree with this? Are you doing we the core do. training? With... We do. I think I've probably got about a hundred videos on different core exercises. The body, because you still, you've got to look at strength training as coordination first without a doubt yeah. and so anything you're doing in the weight room is to enhance the coordinative abilities of what you're doing out on the track as well so exactly. you know we i um when it comes to core i'm trying to find better ways to coordinate the core firing uh, the core in our sprinters is very very strong um i've had the biomechanists from around the world comment about how they how they don't see the deviations in our sprinters that they see in others. Now our sprinters are relatively short, um, but they do have long torsos for the most part. Um, whether that's good or bad is hard to say, but that's 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 part of it. And 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 you, as you well know, we do use a lot of metrics and a lot of technology. Yeah. Um, it's very basic. I don't do anything exceptionally hard because I'm dealing in a different language and yeah. I need to keep it as simple as I can. And I've tried to, um, and in many cases, simple is better. Anyhow, you know, don't overcomplicate uh, everything you're trying to do. Yeah. That's interesting. Yeah. Because there's too much information about the core training and I, I, and, but as a runner and sometimes even you are running, it's like, I was listening with one of the coaches, they could say, I mean, the sprinting is the best uh, core exercise. You do sprinting is a, just a kind of uh, good uh, core exercise, or you are doing deadlift or squat is all involving. I mean, any exercise, anything, even you walk in your breathing is, uh, uh, you're involving the, uh, core exercise. Everything, everything goes to the core. I mean, just, it just, it all does, you know, so. There's, there's no, there's nothing that doesn't. I mean, as long as you have uh, opposing arm and leg moving in some fashion, you're, you're yeah. going to the core. So. Uh, yeah, I've seen a lot of coach, they, uh, a lot of coach, they focus in uh, anterior muscles, you know, they don't work too much in posterior muscles. They, I don't know, they don't do any pull-ups and rowing or I don't know, dead lift. Do we need well, to do the same? Is this the well, ratio? We live first for health and balance. As long as we don't unbalance something that shouldn't be changed. For instance, things like the high jump, javelin, stuff that where the imbalance is, is vital to being able to achieve the uh, uh, the event. But, um, no, I, I mean, we mix it up. I said we're we do so many different core exercises so many different exercises through the year um, maybe times maybe we could be just more specific to certain exercises and get better at them but uh, we, we, we do do that as well but if we have some core exercises we continue just trying to uh, achieve better uh, force and velocity uh, metrics in both of those yeah. So, uh, are you a fan of the deadlift? Uh, I remember one of the. I don't. I'm. I'm. I'm not a fan of the deadlift, but or only because of backs. But I am a fan of the hex bar deadlift. Yes. Ah, so you just suggest the athletes use that? 
the hex bar. I, I, I prefer hex bar deadlifts, yeah. Oh, interesting. Uh, but yeah, because I, it, it, it keeps that center of mass from getting too far out in front of their center of mass. So yeah. it keeps that bar from getting too far out in front and then allows them to lift as best they can. I mean, a lot of times you just got guys, that, people with you know, really weird lever systems. So you've got to pick the tool first. And so yeah. some people can't do, some people can do really good um, squats or yeah. really good deadlift. And while the person next to them can't do, can't do a squat or a deadlift, but if yeah. they move into a hex bar and a safety squat bar, they're yeah. fine. So yeah. you got to choose your tool. Don't just try to force everybody into the same tool. Yeah, yeah. That's, that's why having that's a nice. gym like, yeah. like you have at the NSTC with many different tools in it gives you the ability to change it, to change and adapt that athlete to the right tool. Don't try to get the athlete to adapt to the tool. You know, don't try to get a six foot five inch female volleyball player, you know, a one ninety four yeah. volleyball player to try to squat with a straight bar if they've got long femurs and, and, and short tibias or long femurs and long tibias for that matter. They just yeah. can't do it. So, so exactly. trying to do that drives me absolutely crazy to watch it in US colleges and everywhere. Just change the dang, don't tell me, oh, we can teach them to squat. No, don't teach them to squat. Teach them to squat with the right tool. You know, that, so don't try to force a straight bar on every yeah. human being that walks in your gym. Yeah, interesting. So, Coach, uh, let's. I mean, as a, you are a jumper uh, coach, I mean, very. I mean, one of the top in the world. And so we, as an, uh, so we talk about not uh, again, not sprinter athlete. So we are doing like we are stringent condition. We're doing too much jumping, hopping, and bonding to improve. I mean, as a parametric training. Uh, so. The, what, how, how we improve our jump in our atlas? I mean, whatever we are, with basketball players. Uh, definitely I mean, the Chinese don't do enough. Chinese don't, uh, specifically. Don't do enough weight training, heavy, and they do more jumping. Now oh. that was, works really well for a while, but then you've been working over here on the velocity side of the equation. Yeah. The force side doesn't help your power at all. So you're actually limited by the amount of power you can start to produce. Um, they all work. They all work. It's just yeah. how you put them together. And there isn't any special way. Yeah. Um, you know, we all try to do something slow, something medium, something fast. Yeah. And, and you'd be a try it or slow, medium, fast, medium. If you're doing quads, if you've got basically set up four exercises to work through it, these are things that you have to play with and you can't yeah. be afraid to just go ahead and use your brain and change things. That's what you yep. do. That's why you're a coach. That's why you're a professional. Be an artist. Ground, you know, ground yourself in the science, and then become the artist. That's the coach. Thank you. Yeah, that's I think very it's, it's very important. I mean, sometimes we some and some coach they confuse about the so what they do screen, they do uh, power exercise, they do strings uh, training. Uh, so they don't know something like they do too much weight in exercise too heavy. Well, uh, look, if, if you're measuring and your results are going down, freaking change it. You know, don't, 
Don't ask somebody else because we're not looking at your athletes. We're not looking at your program. Instead, change it and figure out what is it that we need and why aren't we getting it. And if we aren't getting it because we're lifting too much speed or we're lifting too much strength or we're having too much volume, change it. It's not that hard. Yeah, it's simple. Yeah, very simple. Very simple freaking go in and change it besides that the human body adapts relatively quickly you know five to six seven weeks you're going to have to change it then anyways because once it adapts all you're doing is just grinding it in and your coordination challenge is now lost now you won't be able to continue the coordination that you need uh in the weight room and 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 integrate that because remember the weight room's got to be integrated into the sport, the event, whatever yeah. you wish. So it's never you're never practicing the sport in the weight room. Sport specific in the weight room is, to be quite honest, uh, honest is nonsense. Um, but you can do things that you can utilize to integrate the coordinative and and to help coordinate the abilities outside the weight room. But it's not sport specific. You just can't be fast enough. You know. Yeah. Sports just too fast. The weight room is just yeah. too slow. I think we, as a, like, uh, when we see, I mean, um, most of the strength and conditioning coach in the world, we see, so we do too much weight, like sometimes like 40 minutes, one hour in some coach event, they go more than that. But we see, I mean, speed, uh, it's very important. But when we come to design a speed training and say, okay, do like, uh, five times uh, 20 meters or six times do this or so we put it make it speed uh, very easy do you think this is like like if you are athlete let's uh, let them do right 10 10 times 20 meters 10 times i don't know 10 meters just for one session so like 10 times 10 meters for one session does it enough i mean we need to work the same uh, like time as strength training can't can't tell you just can't tell you i don't know what how old the athlete is, I don't know what level the athlete is, I don't, I don't know anything about the athlete. I mean, I refuse to give you an answer to that because I don't know anything about who you're talking about. So you, you, as long as we want to keep speaking in generalities, yeah, you're not going to get many answers from me because I don't speak in generalities. I, I have a difficult time with it. Um, you know, when we look at a 100-meter sprinter, yeah. we might do 12 acceleration opportunities. Yeah, and and an event. Our weight training lasts two to two and a half hours, but yeah, we're not lifting that whole time. We're taking yeah. four to six minutes rest, sometimes eight minutes rest between sets. Yeah. You know, the problem is everybody wants to hurry through this, and in the and 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 you know at the university level in the United States they have to because they're they're and 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 the pros, I mean they're yeah. they're limited. But in, in, when you're looking at uh, the kind of setup that we've had in China and other places, you actually can lift properly. And lifting yeah. properly in sport means taking a lot more rest in some cases than you normally would. Yeah, that's, uh, our, that's our minimum regular normal weightlifting, not circuit training. Normal weightlifting is a minimum of four minutes rest. Minimum. Yeah, interesting. Per, so, per set. Yeah, so if you like, so if you talk about like a, a soccer uh, player, like a 
wings, you know, and they do have, they do have too much uh, sprinting. They need to go follow the ball or take the ball and follow. Uh, Don't, do you think can't, what's... can't tell you, man. What you, what you need to know is how many meters do they run? Yeah. What velocity do they run those meters at? How many change of directions do they have in the game? Okay, what is their weaknesses in terms of when they get in and they, they got to buy? I mean, you've got to test. You've got to understand what's yeah. wrong. So you can't just use and say, oh, it's a wing. He needs this. No, that wing yeah. in that offense may not yeah. need that. Yeah. So, so when you have the opportunity today to have the metrics to measure these things at high performance, the level that we're working at, you do it yeah. and you find out. You know, is it, do they make 1,200 change of directions? You know, so if they make 1,200, what velocity are those 1,200 at? Are they at 4 meters per second? Or are they at 8.5 meters per second? Or are they occasionally at 9 meters per second? You know, it, it, and, and this helps guide you with what you need to do in the weight room. Because if that's what they're doing, and they're, if they're doing a lot of low velocity change of directions, eh, who cares? But if they in t indeed are doing a lot of high-velocity change of directions, now you've got a different problem. And again, your first reason for lifting is to reduce the potential for injury. So you do that first, and, and then performance is second to that. And coordination is involved in all of them throughout. So, um, yeah, you, who are they? I mean, you can have a, a, a winger who's a short little guy or yeah. a guy who's 6'3". Those are two different athletes exactly. playing the same position. What, what What's the difference there? Leg length changing. I mean, you know, what can this guy do that this guy can't? What do they need to do better? And that's your relationship with the coach. Coach, what do I need to do to help him? And the coach, a lot of times the coaches go, I don't know. You know and then you're in trouble because a coach should know what that athlete is is uh needs and in many cases in professional sport they just get a different guy you know he doesn't fit the system he's gone instead of improving him and trying to make him better in within the system i love it it's just you uh, you pay too much to the details because i uh, i've seen a lot of coaches they have the same approach they say okay we want a strength so strength is the same whatever is a sprinter is a basketball player tennis player and I mean, you want to improve the speed, strength, power. I mean, all is the same. So it's, I mean, the same things. I mean, so they use the same approach for different athletes, for different sports. Always, I mean, they they, they, they use the same recipe. And when I love it, when I hear it, just that. It, in a lot of cases, they do. And that's because they only have time to do basic strength. And, and, and you know, granted, that's all they have time for. And you've got to give them credit for doing the best they can with the time allotted. And, and, and that frustrates them. We work, when you work at high performance sport, you have the time and you take the time. Yeah, yeah. You know, um, football players are notoriously lazy. Uh, they're getting much better because the longer you can stay on the pitch, the more money you can make. Exactly. You know, you stay in that pitch for <laughs> 10 years, you're making a lot of money. And yeah. The guys know that, and so now that's now their health is becoming more and more important to them. Yeah, yeah, this, yeah. This, this, I see these previous years. I mean, the uh, medical team, uh, physiotherapy, uh, they are helping a lot with the sports and 
giving us a lot of guidance, uh, how to prevent injury, how to reduce injury. And I think they're helping uh, our industry a lot. Uh, but one curious I have also, I mean, I mean, uh, are you as a uh, spring coach, athletic coach, I mean, you have information about everything. Uh, if I mean, in your team, do you have a, a strength and conditioning coach in your team when you're training? Not normally. I mean, I've had few people ha help me out. Uh, Joseph Coyne and uh, and Rolf Ullman and Kevin was there. Kevin. Um, but for the most part, I, I write the workouts. It was good to have Rolf and, and Joseph because I could bounce ideas, which was nice. And we could look at some um, uh more individualized uh, training that, that we could we could incorporate more because there was then a coach who could take them while I had these guys over here, um, and then and then Doc or Wongo J also served in the strength and conditioning role for me, but for the most part that's um, I take care of the majority of that, um, and nobody's ever really written workouts. Yeah. I would give Joseph the lifts I wanted done and then yeah. have him um, coordinate how those lifts were going to be incorporated in the week because now he understood yeah. what I was doing every day and he got pretty good at it after a while. It took him a while. It's not easy to do. Uh, Kevin never really got it. Um, he just didn't have enough experience. Rolf yeah. is a track coach, so he gets it. It was easy for him. Um, and, you know, uh, to Joseph's credit, he did, he, he, he did a, a, a pretty good job uh, figuring out how to add things in, take things away, um, do more core, do some other therapy stuff. I mean, he's, he's that kind of guy. So it was, it's good to have, um, someone of, of, of his intelligence level and capabilities, uh, there to work with. But otherwise, uh, no, I haven't had a strength coach. I've had some young guys yeah. who I have to teach, but they're just basically setting the gym up, you know, and getting it ready for when the guys come in. Give some advice for young coaches. I mean, it's a in a coaching area or in the business area as a business how they develop I mean their financial well the first advice I give is don't do what I do what I did um, don't sacrifice a good portion of your life uh, for others determine how much sacrifice you want to give and have in your life um, make that a priority you know your, your your own health your own family your own happiness make that a priority uh you, you know until you're 30 approximately find mentors find people to hang out with go hang out there's there's some pretty good guys out there and and they'll they'll let you just sit and watch and 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 uh and uh, participate and you know i mean just learn uh find jobs that challenge you start with younger people because it's harder it's harder in a different way, um, you know. Undoing is is a lot harder than doing. So the undo part takes a lot more proficiency than the doing part initially. So, you know, I would suggest that everybody starts in middle school. Go to a middle school, become a track coach, do something that makes you have to think about how to teach these people coordination because what you're going to have to do with the older adult the older athlete later on is undo their coordination coordinative abilities bring them back 
and then take them back out again. That is one 18 months, two years, sometimes a three-year process where they're finally getting it. Thank you, Kush. Thank read. you, Kush. Obviously, read as much as you can. You can see my library behind me. That's only a third of my library there, not even a third of it. I've got about 10, 12, 14 bookcases full of books here, most of them regarding sport, psychology, physiology, therapy. Um, get yourself as well-rounded as you can in all the different elements that are involved in what we would call an IST, integrated support team, or a PET, a performance enhancement team. But the integrated support team, you want to have some concept of what each member of that IST is going to have to do. And so that you, you've got to have a modicum of knowledge within each area so that you know whether somebody's good or not. That's important. Thank you very much, Gus. Uh, that was all I had. Uh, uh, thanks. I appreciate for your time. Uh, and do you want to say anything? Yeah, yeah I mean, I, I know that people want answers, and they get frustrated because I won't give it to them. See, we are, but yeah, coming from an education background, my yeah. job is to teach you to think. It's not to feed you. Yeah, yeah. You know, exactly. It's to give you the ingredients and say, bake the damn cake, you know, uh, instead of baking the cake for you and going, okay, here's how you, you know, you did it. But, you know, when you look at different sports and different things, there's, you're always going to have the opportunity to evaluate and do a needs analysis. Do a SWOT analysis, strength, weaknesses, opportunities, threats. Use a business model to start to understand your athlete's needs. Understand what the best in the world look like, what the best football players, volleyball players, basketball players in those positions, that those heights, um, you know, what, what, what do they look like? It's just, it's just a matter of doing your homework and doing a little research, and then you're going to have a better idea how to help that the young athlete standing in front of you. Yeah, appreciate. It. I think the coach, as well, like you said, this is. I mean, you get you give a lot of uh, the guidelines, approach, what they want to be, what they want to look. Is the thing is not simple, uh, and then the, they need to like study, get more information, like as a from the books, from the mentor from training young athletes yeah. and the thing is not easy like you say okay give you answer and tomorrow you go to the track or to the court and use it and this is i think this is the honest uh, uh, answer because some coaches they think it's easy they i mean they listen a podcast or just they read a book and then tomorrow they be a, a great coaches uh, yeah I, I i i take this profession very seriously and so when somebody asks me certain questions, I may sound testy, but what I'm really sound saying is, go figure it out, because I'm going to push point you in the right direction. I'm exactly. not going to do it for you. You're going to have exactly. to go do that on your own, because as you do it on your own, you're going to learn more. You're going to it's going to become yours. You're going to own it. You know, it's it's yours, and I. I, I want people to own it, analyze, synthesize the knowledge to create your own working training philosophy. Yeah, that's very, I think, important. So does, they understand the thing, what they are doing, not just this copy-paste, they just do it. Others doing, they do the same uh, things. 
uh, thank you, Coach. That was all the okay. questions, all the things. Uh, appreciate your time. I mean, in this uh, uh, evening, and uh, especially now after I mean this many years, and you wanna take a rest, and you give me this opportunity. I appreciate a lot. Thanks for your time. Okay, I okay. <laughs> Couldn't hear much of that, but you're welcome. And uh, you know, we can we can do it again sometimes with sometime with videos and things, so you can get a okay. sense of of what I'm talking about. All right. Thank you. Thank you, Kits. Take care. Take Thanks care. now. Thank you.